0: This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the batmanuniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat Family at the batmanuniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show.
1: Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Dan and you're listening to...
2: Uh, Senior, to the Comic Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 280. I'm your host Dustin. And today, I have with me.
0: This is Steph.
1: And this is Ian. And we're bringing the latest comic news from the weeks of August 18th through the 31st of August. We have very, very little to talk about this episode, So, but we do have two books as usual, and we do have uh, some stuff from Monkey Watch as well as one comment. Um, as far as news goes, though, we have one specific thing to discuss, which is solicitations, which, as I mentioned on the last episode, released right before we recorded the last episode, but I was unable to get them typed up. But I have them typed up now. So, DC released the solicitations for November, and to be honest, there isn't a whole lot of surprises. The recent six-month streak of new titles and series has come to an end, with the only new announcement being a one-shot tying into the Batman White Knight universe. But it's also taking the place of the issue of Batman Curse of the White Knight in November as well, so it doesn't really add anything to the overall number. Uh, despite a number of s- series wrapping up in October, the new series announced are all outside of the Batman Universe. And there was a bunch. There was Genlock, R-Y-B-Y, or R-W-B-Y. Ruby! Yeah, Ruby. Ah! Um, there was that. There was a Masters of the Universe uh, series. there's a bunch of series that had just been announced, but none of them pertain to here, us here at TBU. So... Uh, Tales from the Dark Multiverse will feature Blackest Night Infinite's Crisis, as we talked about in the last episode, while the Year of the Villain one-shot seemed to have come to an end in October with absolutely no more new titles announced for November. A couple of series will wrap up in November, including the Harleen series from Stepchin and Sagic. uh Scott Simon and Greg Capullo's supposed last foray with Batman and Batman Last Night on Earth and Brian Michael Bennis's Event Leviathan. Could these three titles wrapping up mean coming months we have something new in store? Event Leviathan and Deceased, which wrapped in October, already are leaving a pretty big hole to fill when it comes to overall DC Universe intent event titles. Outside of Doomsday Clock still needing the final issue to be solicited, Three Jokers is the only other major title expected at some point in the near future to be announced. There are no new dollar comics or fast meal editions as part of the main Batman universe either. Uh, between that and no fifth week in November, the total number of issues drops over a quarter. Uh, from October to from October from forty issues that we were we will be covering on TVU down to a mere twenty nine for November. When I read that out loud, it's daunting, but it means that uh, I guess October I get, or uh, November I could have a little bit of a little bit of a break. Yeah. Look at the, blessed, the, the bright side. Anyway, moving on to creator changes. Mikel Janning comes on to Batman for the next two issues as King's final arc seems to be a showcase of the previous artists he has worked with on his time on Batman. I doubt David Finch will be making a return, though. Uh, David Messina is coming on to Red Hood Outlaw while Francis Manipul is heading over to Justice League in November. Everything else stays on the same current path for now. Uh, not a whole lot uh, to discuss this time around as we head into winter. You can check out the full details of everything hitting stores in November as well as a gallery of some of the covers coming up uh, over on the site. The gallery is pretty extensive because there's a lot of really cool covers, especially with some of the acetate covers that are coming that were previously uh, advanced solicited in October, but we have them as part of our November solicitation breakdown, so take a look at that, uh, there's a lot of cool stuff well, at least with the covers uh, unfortunately, to be fair I'm not saying that I desperately need any more Batman comics right this second uh, because actually after six six straight months of adding new books and nothing really wrapping up, it is that is a lot of stuff that we needed to get coverage for, Um at tbu at least so um, i appreciate that we can at least have one month off but i know three jokers is around the corner and there's other projects that have been hinted at or revealed but i honestly don't think that any of them outside of three jokers is anywhere near being solicited so i imagine three jokers i'm going to predict right now is going to happen no later than february uh it's definitely not happening in december because if Doomsday Clock, which was not solicited in November, gets its last issue solicited for December, which eleven's right around the corner, as we're as you're listening to this and as we're recording it, it's coming out this this week. So between the beginning of September and sometime in December, I imagine there should be no well. I hope that there is no reason. I can't imagine, I can imagine a situation where they would, but I would, I, I really hope that there is no reason that they cannot get this final issue of Doomsday Clock wrapped up before the end of 2019, because that makes it over two years that it took to get the entire 12 issue series out. So I'm hoping, I'm desperately hoping it can wrap up by the end of 2019. I don't think Three Jokers is going to get solicited prior to Doomsday Clock wrapping up. I just, while, uh, number 11 kind of hints at some of the stuff that could partake or have something to do with Three Jokers, I don't know that the conclusion of Doomsday Clock is drastically going to, uh, affect Three Jokers in any way, but I don't see Jeff Johns' series, uh, okay, let's just put it this way, okay, Jeff Johns is on two series currently, he's on, Day Clock, and he's on Shazam. Well, Shazam just got the next three issues completely canceled, and they'll be re at a future date. Uh, those issues, who knows why they're taking so long. A lot of talk that we've been talking about on the Discord um, has been that Jeff Johns is just a busy guy, and he's not getting the stuff done. Uh, while most of the time you can point the blame to the artists, that does not seem to be the case in this situation. Um, because s- especially for Shazam, there's no reason why the art wouldn't be getting able to be done in a normal, normal, you know, fashion. And it's just not. So it has something more to do with than just the art. And while Shazam was a big pro- big profile book when it released, I don't think it is as much anymore. Um, Doomsday Clock definitely is. And they're not going to switch artists on Doomsday Clock shazam i feel like if it was an artist situation they would change artists because then just to you know necessitate the uh, the point of getting the book out in a timely manner so pretty sure it's not artists uh, i'm pretty sure it's jeff johns and if i was dc i'd be very cautious about soliciting anything in the future uh with his name on it, including three jokers without it being completed but at the same time jason fabik has been working on three jokers for quite some time he randomly posts hints on twitter um from three jokers so it's not as if he has not been working on it for a very long time uh to be fair the last thing that he worked on that was part of any sort of normal continuity was i believe the just league suicide squad crossover which was the first winter of uh what was that of rebirth so that was like 2016 2017 the guy has not worked on a whole lot of anything um, other than doing some covers. So, I, that, that's not to say he couldn't have work elsewhere. Um, you know, as far as, you know, if he's doing concept art for, you know, movies or whatever, it doesn't really make a difference what it is. The guy's probably doing something, but I can't imagine the DC not utilizing his talents if he wasn't currently working on Three Jokers. So, there's that.
0: Do you guys have any insider knowledge on why Batman Beyond doesn't change anything or end?
1: Um, (laughs) Reboot? The only explanation I can think of is that uh, Dan Juergens is writing it. And while that, you know, to the normal reader, it's going to be like, what was that? mean, Dan Juergens has been with DC Comics for a really, really, really long time. Mm -hmm. He's going on almost three decades he's been with the company. And... I imagine if he has a story to tell, they're going to let him tell it, Um, even if it does have poor sales, uh, because there's no Mm -hmm. real explanation. I mean, that book should have been canceled a long time ago just based off of sales alone. Um, Mm -hmm. The only thing I can think of is that they just are letting him tell the story that he wants to tell, and eventually his story will come to an end, and then that'll be the end. I guarantee at this point that we would not see another writer on that book before it gets canceled, I just, I just don't see it. If he can't keep up with the, you know, the schedule, then that book's gone for sure. Um, he was on Superman for, you know, he was on Superman. He was on Action Comics. He was on Action Comics for a while. Um, while well, Peter Tomasi was over on Superman with Patrick Gleason and he was doing that and while there was nothing super remarkable about what he was doing on that title either it was just it just feels sometimes that they that certain creators tell their story uh robert vendetti is another guy who seems to just tell his stories and sometimes nobody's really paying that much attention to what he's doing but somehow dc just keeps allowing it to keep happening so probably just one of those you know Inter-office politics situations.
0: Because with the sales that low, like maybe they're just thinking, well, it's not doing any harm. <laughs> it's just paper. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Go yes, ahead. I mean we've talked about this before, not not recently, but on the comic cast over the years, we've talked about this before. You know, generally, at least to most people who pay attention to comic sales, there's a break point of about twenty thousand. That's why you know when Jessica used to do the numbers. You know that's what we did before. That it was Terry, and now Steph does the the numbers. You know we we use twenty thousand as our benchmark for a book in danger, and then leading up to you know going down to twenty thousand. It's also you know it's one to watch because it's going down. And, it's been under
0: twenty thousand since issue
1: fourteen. Yeah. And, and to be clear, for every those, so those of you who are not paying attention to Batman Beyond, Batman Beyond is currently on number 35. So it's been almost two, just under two years that it's been under that. So, yeah. Um, the only thing I could think of is that maybe, Dan because Dan Jurgens wasn't on the series originally, my only thought is that maybe he had... An idea pitched it. They're like, okay, let's, we'll let you do it. And then because he gets on the book, if he's got a story to tell and he's not, and he wants to keep doing it, they're just going to keep letting him do it as long as he's got the story. Um, because that's what happened because the alternative was to cancel it. To be fair, I don't really... I mean, there's no real explanation. Like, there's... We don't... We, on the site, don't consider the book as part of main continuity. Um, I know that there's other sites who don't consider it part of main continuity. For the most part, even though there are elements that it connects to Future's End um, that happened during the New 52, most of the stuff they, 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 they really ignore. A lot of the stuff that they still focus on is related to the animated series, which has nothing to do with the comics themselves. Um, so... I don't know. I mean, like I said, it just, it just is one of those books where it doesn't have a real explanation of why it still exists.
2: I would love to read I think it there's also go- a chance that someone who's making decisions is just a. Uh- nostalgic for the TV show. Well, I mean, they true just true. did the HD restore of that and that's
1: that that might be that might be one of the reasons why they kept it around too is because obviously they knew they were doing the um the the high definition upgrade to the series in advance. So that could be an explanation too. Maybe they Kept it up, thinking, well, maybe the series will become more popular after the the new complete series releases on Blu-ray. Bef- you know, when we upload all of the HD version of the episodes to DC Universe, maybe it'll become more popular. Um, I mean, they know that that you know the digital upgrade would have been in the works for quite some time, so maybe that's a reason. But at the same time, it's it's a it's it's a rough sell, so which is funny which, which is funny because actually while well, we'll get into it when we get into Greater Gotham um, this this final issue it felt like they actually moved the story along after the story was stagnant for about the last five issues so but yeah anyway so that's the solicitations head over to the side if you're interested in more um, with that being said we're going to jump straight over to our comic book reviews we're going to start off with Batman <laughs>
2: Batman number 77, writer Tom King, artists Mikkel Janine, and Tony Daniel. The story opens on a Gotham City rooftop where Robin, Damian Wayne, is dodging heat vision blasts from an airborne Gotham Girl. As Gotham Girl closes in for the kill, Robin produces the Wand of Clarion, which causes magical chains to appear, wrapping around Gotham Girl, as Damian makes his escape. In Paris, as a singing Selina Kyle cooks dinner, the injured and unconscious Bruce Wayne opens his eyes. Back in Gotham, a psycho-pirate-controlled Scarecrow and Zaz, now part of Bane's police force, accost a dog walker on a leash law rules, where they are attacked by Robin, who quickly takes them down, saving the dog walker. And his dog. Over in Paris, Bruce sits in silence, and Selina comes nearby with Bruce uttering, with his head down, that he lost. Thomas Wayne's Batman stands on a gargoyle as Robin appears behind him. Thomas tries to reason with Damien, but is met with a punch to the face, as Robin tells Thomas that they aren't actually related, that he isn't Batman, and Robin is here to beat him into the ground. Bruce and Selina sit in a café in Paris with Bruce explaining that he needs to go back to Gotham City. Selina points out that he will be killed, and Bruce responds that it would be a good death, echoing what he said in issue one of this run. As Thomas and Robin fight, Thomas points out that the penalty for Robin entering Gotham is the death of Alfred. Flashpoint Batman gets the upper hand, knocking Robin to the ground, then knocking him out. As Bruce and Selina walk through the streets of Paris, Selina protests Bruce's willingness to go off to his death in facing Bane. Bruce tells Selina that he has thought of every scenario, and that there is no other way. Selina tells Bruce that he can't see everything, and he still can't see her. Robin wakes in Wayne Manor, injured and bound to a chair, as Flashpoint Batman speaks to Robin about how what to come was not flashpoint batman's choice in the background a voice pleads not in front of the boy robin cries in horror as he witnesses bane snapping alfred's neck in front of him thomas comments on how robin is now their hostage and will serve in alfred's place to prevent the rest of the bat family from coming into gotham the issue ends with batman and catwoman in costume with Catwoman telling Batman that she knows a way to get revenge and take back Gotham. So, big questions first. Is Alfred really dead?
3: No.
0: It would be a big change to the character. No. (laughs) He'd have to do his own laundry.
2: But dusted? Why?
1: You didn't say why. You said no, or you said you think it he's really implied. dead. I know it's implied. I'm just messing with, because I'm I'm worried that I'm just gonna go into a Tom King rant, like I always do. I'm gonna start by saying this, okay? I enjoyed this issue. I thought it was it was a very good issue. Um, we knew, uh, well, two of the three of us knew about what was happening in this issue the last time we recorded. So I knew this was coming. And, I, and I'll and i say, like, obviously I ranted about the last issue. um and I had more to say. I don't actually have a lot to complain about this issue, um, surprisingly. Um, this issue I enjoyed. And, and to be clear, the reason why is because I know that Alfred's not dead. The reason why we know he's not dead is because for the last... Two and a half issues leading up to this. All we have seen is a bunch of reality bending situations where characters are acting out of place, seeing things that they're not supposed to be seeing. Um, masking things that they should be seeing, like ventriloquist in the back cave, like Joker and Riddler being buddy cops together, um, Scarecrow and Victor Zaz, you know, confronting somebody about not having a dog on a leash or whatever it was. There's just there's a lot of things going on that just don't make any sense, so it's not too far fetched to believe that what we are seeing before our eyes is not actually happening. Because, let's be honest. I'm not sure how much of this is happening in the first place. There's a lot of stuff that we've been seeing in the last couple of issues that I've complained about, that I've made it very vocal, that I am not liking, but... This is not something that I'm at all believing is actually true. So, I'm not going to sit here and get super upset about Alfred. To be tr- to 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 be the devil's advocate advocate for a second if it was true, yes, it would be a huge milestone and change the continuity of Batman, which I've thought about multiple times when reading this, but I don't think this is what he implied would be the big change that he and, you know, that he hinted at back in May, and I assume that's still happening despite the fact that he made those comments prior to you know, the new direction they're taking with him coming off in December and him going to the Batman Catwoman series that's happening in January. I'm pretty sure that's all still happening because as he has said in subsequent interviews since May, he has said that he is still going to finish telling his story. He's still going to tell the story that he intended to tell. It's just going to be told in this new, you know, this other format that he wasn't initially planning. He's still going to tell it, you know, in the Batman Catwoman series. So I assume whatever is happening to the, Continuity changing or direction changing situation for the character of Batman is going to happen towards the end of his run, not now. And I doubt it has anything to do with Alfred. So while it was a shocking moment, I immediately saw it and told myself there's nothing to get upset about because outside the fact that this is comics and Deaths happen all the time and people come back from the dead, which I hate. I absolutely hate as a horrible uh, plot device that, that that too many people decide to use. And it's not, to be fair, it's not the writers who are choosing to do that most of the time. It's most of the time the publishers who are like, sure, you want to kill somebody? Yes, but you must have a way for them to get back to normal. And because we can't have our characters deviate from the normal marketing method that we have that sells merchandise so that being said like i don't see alfred being dead i see it being as a shocking moment that is supposed to do exactly what tom king has done multiple times in the past which is get people talking get people upset only for them to have the rug pulled out from underneath them right when they're at the top of their rant so I'm, I guess, I don't know, I guess it's, I'm hoping this is not one of those situations where I'm deciding to give up on ranting, and I've already had the rug pulled out from underneath me, um, because obviously I'm still going to be reading these comics, but I sincerely doubt that he's actually dead, so, yeah.
0: Do you remember when all the boys are meeting Bruce at Batburger? Yep. And they all talk about how they've all come from back from the dead and Duke is freaking out. He's like, I don't want to die. <laughs> I want, I don't know if that was, because it seemed like it was kind of making fun of that trope. So it would be weird for him to use it unless it was meant to be foreshadowing see, this- and making fun of it.
1: But the difference is, I don't think he's actually dead. That's the thing. Like, it's one thing... But what's the, trope the point of, him being, of
0: faking it, though? Like, I mean, so if... if people if, to talk.
1: That's right. If, if Thomas... I mean, the, and Thomas, honestly, honestly, think about what Tom King has done during his run. He's done a series of things that make people talk about the series. That's what it is. But half from the time, a story he gets a lot point of, of view... He gets a lot of, like, uh, crap for it, but... <laughs> that's so because Thomas, people just don't get it. But yes, go ahead.
0: Thomas loves alfred like he has to like, he he tried thomas tried to bring his dead wife back and i we still don't really know if she was his universe is martha or
1: this universe is martha
0: um you know for all we know definitely he his is
1: his universe is martha because he carries her around brother. on his back oh, he, all the time that's creepy
0: yeah, and um <laughs>
1: completely made up there
0: (laughs) and he's so he's messed up obviously and he he for all we know really does love bruce and is doing this for his own good which is really weird i don't think he'd want to do that to alfred i don't know like i know he's literally not the one doing it; it's bane but if he's the big brains behind everything and not really bane i don't know i just don't see the point of not really killing alfred like what? Well, would, even, they have a new hostage now. Like They have the son of Batman. Like It's just as good. I don't know.
2: I would say even if they really kill Alfred, um, someone on the Discord pointed out that in issue 73 and 74, they set up the Nain pit, the, the Lazarus yeah. pit that mm-hmm. requires an exchange. And what better way for Flashpoint Batman to redeem himself than giving his life to restore Alfred back to life, you know? Yeah, giving I have no doubt thinking that he'll be another. back.
0: Yeah. I I don't no doubt Alfred will come back. I re, yeah, I, I was just kind of messing around. I don't think this is the big change. This, this couldn't be. But I say that. But um I yeah, I I think Lazarus Pitt is more likely than this being some kind of psycho pirate delusion. Cuz I just well, don't see um, the point of not really killing Alfred.
2: I think
1: the psycho well, the pirate or scarecrow they, delusion uh, would be fine too. But, <laughs> see, but see the thing with the psycho pirate thing is that they haven't super explained it. And that's what makes me believe it has to be that is because despite the fact that we saw all 75 Gotham City in the way it is, we didn't really get the explanation of how we got to that point. Um, The fact that we see the villains working with each other, especially like Joker Riddler, who the last time King wrote them, they were at each other's throats. Um, You know, we've seen these different things happening and there's no real explanation as to why all this stuff is happening, why things are the way they are. And, you know, like, why is Gotham Girl running around in Robin suit? What is her... Like, there's two... There's so many questions that are unanswered, but I think the reason why... A, or I think the, the main possibility for a lot of them is just to explain the Psycho Pirate. Psycho Pirate showed up briefly in 75. They made a comment about how they were bringing um, villains to Psycho Pirate so that he could reprogram them or whatever. I don't think there was phrase like that, but that's basically what's happening. So I'm convinced that the reason why they're not going over and above to explain how things happened outside of ah, the wonderful thing that I absolutely hate, which is just you coming up with your own ideas of how things came to be, which Off is...
2: Off-paddle land. Yay.
1: Which is not storytelling. That's not storytelling. Um... Well,
2: the other thing that I wanted to bring up in terms of why I am convinced that this is not going to stick is for every other one of the things that Dustin's pointed out, the wedding and the proposal and um, even nightmares to some extent and definitely Heroes in Crisis, Tom King has always made some kind of statement either on Twitter or to some newspaper or, uh, you know, comic website. He's been completely silent on this issue. So it is clear that this is not a settled plot point, and we still have a lot of revelations to come about what happened to Alfred.
1: Yeah. There's, there's no doubt in my mind this is all fake, but it all just comes down to me is that they haven't explained a lot of the stuff having to do with how Gotham got in its current state. Sure, Bane is controlling a lot of different stuff, but we still don't know exactly, I don't know, there's just so many questions about what's going on, how things came to be, that I sincerely hope we're going to get answers for, that eventually when we get answers, it will probably explain how Alfred's not dead, and how Psycho Pirate just made Damien see something specific, so, I don't know, or he could have snapped the neck of somebody else and just Psychopirate made somebody else look like Alfred, I don't know. The problem is like this, the 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 need for Psychopirate in this storyline is the thing that's like the most frustrating because Psychopirate's power set is so like uncontrolled, not uncontrolled, like unrestricted in the sense of like you could do what you could say he's doing whatever you want him to do. You could just have him do something and have it all make sense for you, however you want. And I don't like that because it's like a giant MacGuffin, and I don't I don't like that that's happening because while Psycho Pirate has clearly popped up in other Batman stories, there's no question about that. He's not typically a character that's used in, you know, in Gotham City in Batman because his power set is above and beyond the normal power set of characters that batman's dealing with in my opinion so i don't i'm not a huge fan of the fact that he's around in the first place and when everything gets answered or explained as oh well psycho piper waved his hand and everything was the way bane wanted it to be it's just that's a that, that's just that 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 cements the poor so- storytelling even worse because then it's like well we couldn't tell the story of how stuff could actually how bane could have infiltrated the the government. Of Gotham City, um, we're not we're not explaining anything like that. It's just Psychopirate waved his hand, and everything turned the way Bane wanted it to be. And it's just, <sighs> you know, something. Your rant about Psycho Pirate actually reminds
2: me of something that Tom King has said several times in interviews, which is that Psycho Pirate can see all the multiverses. Um, so I think, you know, I always say I think Skeets is the one who brought Flashpoint Batman, but. Now that I'm thinking about Psychopirate, the fact that he can see the multiverses, maybe Skeets was the mechanism, but I think Psychopirate might be the key to how Flashpoint Batman still exists. So I just want to throw that out here before any before we get to the end of this um, this arc and find out at eighty five.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, my
2: next. Uh, go ahead. Yeah.
1: No, I was just gonna say. Yeah. I. Uh, I really just. The, you know the one thing that I'm getting. I keep hearing consistently. You've said it, not just here, but you've said it on, on Discord too. And there's other people who've said on Discord is, "Oh, Tom King says this in interviews. Tom King says this in interviews." And the thing is, the only place that Tom King does interviews is Word Balloon. And there's nothing. I have nothing against Word Balloon. I just don't have time to listen to like two hour long interviews with creators because I don't have two hours to dedicate to stuff like that. He does do interviews, and there are a select few people who are able to listen to those interviews. And somehow he's making these explanations as how things fit and how things make sense. And it's like, why isn't DC themselves setting up interviews with more mainstream, just you know, written art or interviews to answer some of these questions? If this is the way he intends it to be, is if he doesn't doesn't intend on explaining in the comics, why doesn't he just? Give interviews with other places. I, you know, it's DC been a long be time.
2: Competent in the way they market and explain a title. Uh, I think not,
1: you've hit on the problem there. Well, there's a big problem. There's a, there's a massive problem. I you know, written interviews on any of the websites. There's hardly any of them, unless it's like announcing a new series. And in most cases, they're talking about something as if it's you know like a big secret because it can't actually you know let you know anything about what's coming they're just giving you information that you could basically get from the solicitation i don't understand the 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 pr currently that is occurring at dc and i say this fully knowing that that we work along a
2: dedicated person for that it's like a secondary job description for someone
1: else that's not true they have PR. They have multiple if PR they people. Do, I work. Really I work alongside some of these people who send me send us stuff, including our our review copies. I'm not saying they're good at their job. They're not. Um, they've also seen some people who are working who who have yeah, I know, I know what I'm saying. I'm saying that I work with these people and they provide TBU with review copies, and I'm talking crap about them. Yes, that's that's absolutely right. Chances of them listening to this podcast slim to none. And if suddenly our review copies disappear, well then we'll know they are listening. So um no, I mean the reality of it is like there are there is PR people over there. Um there's at least four different people that I know of that are currently working there. There's two people who recently left or were, um, promoted to some place outside of DC, but like with still within Warner brothers, um, but there are still at least four people who are still working there. And on top of that, DC uses an outside PR company for some other things. Like they've the one of the big focuses recently has been this third-party marketing company they've been using for a lot of the DC Kids, Inc., Zoom, whatever you want to call it, uh, series. Um, and I work with those people actually more frequently than the DC people because they reach out and they actually want to get feedback about the books and they want to find out what, you know, if, if we enjoyed the books and things like that. We've got... Actually, as you're listening to this, there's a, there's a contest going on on our Discord. If you want to win a copy of uh, the latest DC Ink book, which is uh, Harley Quinn Breaking Glass, there's a contest where you can win one of those, and those are being provided to us from DC Comics. So, like, there are certain aspects that they focus on and that get a lot of promotion, and then there's certain aspects where they don't. Uh, recently, the review copies, and I say this. Because it ticks me off. The review copies used to come at lunchtime every Friday. Somehow, since one person left after San Diego, the, the review copies are coming at 5 o'clock my local time, which is after uh, office hours for me and the website and things like that. So it's it's frustrating because they have to know that there's people on the East Coast who are not staying in the office on Friday until 6 p.m. But anyway... Enough of that rant. Um, the, it's just, it is it is frustrating. There's a lot of problems. You tried to get an interview with anybody. It's a big thing. They want to know exactly what you're asking them before you ask them. Um, it used to be a lot easier. It used to be a lot different. It's just a lot of things have become more controlled, especially since they've moved over to the West Coast. And Warner Brothers is... Constantly looking at them with a uh, microscope, it's 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 become a little difficult. A lot of people who have worked there who were really good at their job have left because they don't like the uh, constant scrutiny that they're under from higher ups. So there's definitely problems, but it's frustrating because Tom King will go do word balloon and it's like he's doing word balloon and nobody's saying he can't do it. He's just doing it. It's just like Scott Snyder. He does interviews occasionally where it's not approved by DC, but he'll do it. And he'll, you can always tell when they're not doing something that's approved by DC because they'll swear. Because when they're giving interviews that are approved by DC, DC's listening and DC never wants their writers or artists or whoever who are doing a scheduled publicity, uh, you know, interview, they don't want them swearing. But if you listen to audio interviews where they're they're just straight swearing all the time, you know it's not being, it's not being, uh, it's not approved by DC. And Scott Snyder gave one a couple years back to a website that I had never heard of before. And I gave it a listen and I was like, wow, he's swearing a lot. And I realized it's because it was unapproved. And I asked him about it at some point and he was like, yeah, yeah. Uh, they don't really like when I do interviews, but they can't tell me I can't. And I was like, oh, okay. So that makes sense. But then the problem is then you but Scott Snyder's a different level. Tom King's a different level. Brian Michael Bendis, who also does a lot of interviews over at Word Balloon. These guys are on a different level than like, you know, a lot of the greater Gotham stuff, which is, you know, the Nightwing book or you know, Red Hood. These those writers are not at the; they're not top tier writers. They can't just go do whatever they want because they want work, and they're not going to get work if they piss off the people at DC. The top tier writers, on the other hand, they can do whatever they want because they're top tier. So,
2: rant over. I, I like all this insight.
1: Um, I think inside it's baseball. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, that's why we do podcasts uh, to give information that we have that other people don't to help the community. Um, so my next question is, um, I thought that the way Damien was written was really good. Like a lot of people complain that Batman and Damien and the, the Bat family in general haven't really interacted a lot, especially since uh, Detective Comics ended. But I thought the way Tom King wrote Damien, as usually, I mean, I think Tom King's a great Damien writer, but here especially, it's, it's a great blend of his his strengths. I mean, he's such a good combat person. He, he takes down these pretty strong villains i mean zaz is pretty scary uh he's not a-list but he's a scary villain and um he takes down gotham girl with magic which is a great callback to issue 34 i thought that was uh, another proof that tom king is paying attention sometimes he he does make a couple of mistakes but i thought it was a really well-constructed moment to have him use the wand of clarion to, to trap gotham girl but what did you guys think about the way Damien. Oh, sorry. And the other thing is, uh, you showed the v- vulnerabilities when he was captured and he's mourning for what he did that caused Alfred's quote unquote death. I thought that was really well written. Um, how did you feel that Damien was portrayed in this issue?
1: I thought he was. Per- I think it was fine. I didn't have any issues whatsoever. Um, I actually enjoyed the way Damien was portrayed, I liked how he was like still his, you know, you know kid full of attitude. And they had this, he he had like the sense of, he had a sense of purpose, which is appreciative because that kid, he's always got purpose. Um, but at the same time, like the stuff that he's doing, he's talking crap while he's taking out Gotham girl. That is Damien. That's who I see as Damien. And we don't always see that. Like there's people who will make him snarky and stuff, but there's a whole different, there's a different There's a different version of Damien. There's the snarky Damien where he's just making snarky comments. And then there's the attitude Damien where he's like making the comments. But he's also like backing it up by showing that, hey, look, I really am a badass. So and that's what he's doing this uh, this this issue. He's he's legitimately showing that despite the fact that he is so small, he is or and so young, he is a force to be reckoned with. And while, unfortunately, he was unable to take out Thomas, um, which I didn't see happening, you know, in any way, um, you know, the fact that he didn't back down, it just, that's exactly what Damien is. And I'd love to see more of Damien and the other, because, like, even Tim in the last issue, that was written well, too. So, I mean, like... I want to see these characters popping up more often because King can clearly do it. We know that he understands some of these characters because he's written them well when he does write them. It's just a matter of writing them more frequently, I guess, because that's the problem. Like I understand and I know that his his reasoning behind that is this is a Batman story. And at the time when Batman and Detective, re-la- you know, launched as part of Rebirth, the intent was His explanation was, well, Batman is a Batman story. We're focusing on Bruce Wayne. This is a Bruce Wayne story. Detective Comics, at least when it launched during Rebirth, showed a lot of these other characters. There was a lot of characters that were focused, and that was his, like, explanation. As Tynan came off the book and other writers have come on to Detective, now, of course, Detective is literally just the second Batman book, which is frustrating because it we don't need to have a second Batman book when we already have multiple miniseries that re- revolve around Batman and all this. So, all this is to say, I'm all on board King writing Damien. I think he did a great job this issue. I'd like to see more of it. I'd like to see him work with the Bat family more often. What do you think, Steph?
0: Um, I really liked it. Uh, I think that yes we get his snarkiness we get his good fighting but you know he is facing off against another world's batman like batman is still batman regardless of who he is and so i don't think i i wasn't surprised to see him being taken down and the fact that he was showing such like vulnerability of of (laughs) strategy uh in the last issue um i think that kind of made sense that eventually he he wouldn't He's not Batman, you know, doesn't have everything planned out. He wants to be like Batman, but he yet isn't yet. And so seeing just his vulnerability, like he is still a 13-year-old boy. <laughs> He's not meant really to be have gone through all this and so seeing his breaking point, it's it's interesting how it's kind of mirroring Bruce's breaking point. Both both father and son kind of reach th- th- to finally come to terms with, you know, losing. Like Damien literally has lost the life was responsible, sort of, for the loss of, of Alfred's life and Batman finally wakes up and realizes that he's lost every fight and he is in Paris. Um I just really I really yeah appreciated the kind of depth that they took to to really study Damien and what he's when he's going through in as little as time as they could.
2: And I, I completely agree. I think that Tom King, if you look at uh detective comics 1000 he has like eight pages of a story and i think he just nails everyone's voice they're they're distinct now i actually let me take that back i don't like the way he writes barbara gordon um but everyone else and but even though i don't like it she's clearly a distinct person he's not just writing the same person as everyone else Uh, um there's some writers um even though I do like him, I don't want to bash... Uh, well, uh,
1: real quick, I want to jump on that. What What is it about his... And I'm not saying I do, but I'm saying what is the thing you don't like about the way he he writes her?
2: He writes Barbara Gordon, and this was an issue in Heroes in Crisis, too. I read a whole piece about it. Uh, he writes Barbara Gordon really... Um, to me, it feels like she's kind of a, a teenager um, in a way that she isn't usually. Even if you read Bat. Girl Year One by Chuck Dixon and Scott Beatty, she's got a maturity and a, a thoughtfulness to the way she she works, and she's she's always been spunky, but in the way Tom King tends to write Barbara Gordon, she's kind of... She, she's lost some of that thoughtfulness. She's just sort of snarky with an attitude, but she doesn't quite think everything she says through. So she her primary character note in Detective Comics 1000 was, I dated Dick Grayson, so i am ready for anything because dick grace is a disaster which is a funny joke but it it is not i think a particularly um it, it doesn't match any other iterations of barbara that i i view i mean my my barbara gordon voice is basically a combination of chuck dixon's uh batgirl year one and Gail simone's oracle she's just really really thoughtful really smart very spunky um and I think Tom King's Batgirl is is much more, maybe the animated series, but with sort of a Tom King edge to it. Um, and and unlike the way he writes Dick and Damien and Tim and even Steph and Cass and Huntress, I think he has a much better grasp on those characters than Barbara Gordon.
1: At least for but me. But do you and, think? See, so so my thought on that is, and I'm not, and I definitely agree. I I think that is exactly how King writes her. But I think that if you don't look at her portrayal pro- previously to or prior to New 52, and you just go off of what Gail Simone did when she was on Batman or Batgirl, you read the stuff that happened with Batgirl Burnside, you read the stuff that's been happening in Rebirth with Batgirls, like the Hope Larson stuff, and then uh, who came on? There was somebody else who came on after them. Margaret Scott, was that was that she came on right after? I thought there was some. Somebody, well, somebody there was right. like anyway, a couple
2: fill-in issues, but I can't yeah. remember who it was. Okay, but
1: anyway, M- Margaret Swa- Scott. I think the thing is, like, when you look at it, I think the problem is that the character has like fluctuated so much. Yeah, in she the doesn't
2: last... have a voice anymore, really. <laughs>
1: exactly, that's the thing. I think that the last eight years that the since the character has become backroll again in 2011, I think the problem is that there's just no voice there. And it's and you've get you've got these like big stretches where a a creator will be on the title for a long time, try to give them. Or I know who I was thinking I was thinking the Bensons because they had backroll and Birds of Prey, um, in Rebirth. But there was you know you get these stretches where like you know Gail Simone was on backroll for a long time. Hope Larson was on backroll for a long time. You had the Burnside of backroll which had a huge creative team. They were on backroll for a long time. You get these big long stretches of like who the character is, but each and every single one of them is like some sort of different version and it's not some sort of consistent take on the character. And that happens to be the case with some of the other characters we've seen um, the one that comes to mind is Nightwing, um, Nightwing, at least for the longest time now has had multiple different versions of the character and not just because he's Rick Grayson now, but because that's, that's what's happened. You get these creators come on and they try to do their version of the character and DC lets them and that's what happens. And I think a lot of that has to do with the editorial overview that isn't happening on a lot of the titles. They're just letting people try You know, take risks and there's nothing wrong with necessarily taking a risk, but there is something wrong with the character just kind of falling by the wayside, which is what I feel like is happening with a character like Batgirl, a character like Dick Grayson, um, in some cases, Tim Drake. Um, I think this is what happens to these characters is that like you don't have somebody saying, no, 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 wait a second. You can't do that with this character because that doesn't make any sense because this character is supposed to be really smart. supposed to be very mature. You can't have them oogling and ogling over some some boy just because she's a girl. That doesn't make any sense. This isn't who that character is. So, I mean, like, I'm not saying that Tom King is, you know, Tom King has the clout where he should be able to make her have a voice, but the problem is his version of the voice is too set on somebody from the New 52 forward and not the character pre- prior to that. So that's, I guess, my defense of Tom King, which, hey, to go to go go bet on a horse today because it's probably not going to happen again in the near future.
2: <laughs> well, I think that's a great defense, and I, I, I agree completely with you. I think that... When there is a character who who Tom King has worked on for a long time, and I think it's clear from Grayson and, um, uh, from, from his work on Batman, that Tom King has read the history of these characters. And the other problem with those characters is Damien and, um, and Batman both have been really protected by editorial in a lot of ways, um in terms of getting their voice. And I I think that you're right that some, some writers tend to write Damien just as snarky rather than actually, um, competent as well as having an attitude. But I think every time Tom King has written Damien, he's really caught that balance of, you know, who he is, this, this assassin child raised who wants to be good. And he's just that dual nature. He's really good. And I say, I think the way he writes Dick is also really good. He's got that kindness, but he's also very dangerous and, um, but it's hard to see. Like, there's so many layers in the way he writes Dick and the way he writes um, Bruce, and uh, I think it shows when he doesn't have quite as much of a grasp on the characters he's writing. Um, and I, I just think that Barbara is one of the ones that he doesn't quite grasp as much.
0: Do you think? Because we, we, you know, we. One thing I think that we all agree on is is that whenever he, Tom King writes the whole family, like. It's always very good, even if there's a couple of quibbles here and there. All in all, it's very well received. Do you think he he could do more of that? Like, do you think he's so good because it's so concentrated and and he only has to do it for short spurts? Or do you think that if he had if this had been a Bat Family book, it kind of would have either been watered down or kind of fallen flat?
2: Well, if you look at um, the other series that Tom King has done, he works with a very contracted cast. The biggest cast he's ever worked with was Omega Men, and I think that still only has like five or six characters. Um, If he used the whole Bat family, the way he's used it in, I think, like 71 or in Detective Comics 1000, I I do think it would be kind of diluted because... James Titan is the only person I've ever seen to to do a Bat Family cast as big as he used, and still keep arcs for every single character. And some of the characters still had really small arcs. Um, Tom King is just—he's a very one-to-two character focused writer, and I think that he he's best using the Bat Family as as a seasoning rather than as the main main dish. And I just wish he kind of used that seasoning a bit more. Um, and I think we're going to get that in *City Bank* because he's promised that the Bat Family would come back in like '81 or something. Um, but yeah, I think your your instinct is is dead on about how he he uses them well because he really focuses on when they show up. I think that if he used them all the time, it wouldn't always be quite as as solid. Do
0: you have any more questions?
2: Um, let me see. Oh, uh, yes, I do. Uh, so, I, this is kind of a regular question. I really loved um, seeing the Selina and Bruce parts. Uh, they were beautifully drawn by Tony Daniel. Um, a lot of detail, a lot of rich colors by Tomu More. Um You could really feel just Catwoman's personality. She's trying to play things up as... as she's trying to keep a, uh, hopeful because it's a very dark situation for her and Bruce. But then when she gets serious and she says, you still don't see me, and then she has a plan, I thought that was really exciting. And I'm really excited for the next couple issues, which are interludes uh, focusing on Batman and Catwoman. So how do you think that the, the Bruce and Selina section of this issue went for you?
1: I think it went fine. I mean, like, I don't feel like it really progressed a whole lot. I mean, Bruce moped around a lot and selena picked him back up and then they said they're heading to gotham so i mean like i'm looking forward to 77 um which conveniently was delayed a week so we did not actually see it before we were recording this um but i'm interested to see what's happening i mean like but i mean like i don't know that tony daniels art convinced me to be more interested by any means i think it it was his art was good um the art we have gotten has been good but uh as I recently went on a rant on Discord, Tony Daniels seemed to be promised for a lot of our, uh, of the art. And uh, the last couple issues, there hasn't been a lot of Tony Daniel, And now he's not going to be on the series going forward. Because this month we have Clay Mann for two issues. And then we have two issues of John Romita Jr. And then there's two issues of Mikkel So, um, and, and Ian actually explained why... Things could have, you know, changed and made it made sense once he explained it, but it's still slightly frustrating because I think that Tony Daniels is a really great artist. And I'd love to see more of his art. Fifty was like really cool with a lot of the stuff that he was showing. It's just unfortunately every time it's it, it, it's not just him. It's and I don't say this. I'm not trying to pick on Tony Daniel by any means. It, it, there's a lot of times recently that we get artists who are announced for something they're going to be on the issue for an extended arc and then what happens they're not and it's not anything necessarily against the artists themselves because as Ian pointed out to me on Discord you know the the original plan was for an arc from 75 to go forward to like 85 or whatever and then that changed to wrapping up by eighty three, and then him and then Tom King going off to do Batman Catwoman, and that could have changed why Tony Daniels not doing it because he had to rework stuff, and that's why Mitch Gerard, uh filled in uh, for some pages on number fifty, and obviously this issue was split between Jan uh, was it Janin on this issue, or Jorge Fornes? Yeah,
2: it was Mikkel Janine.
1: Okay, yeah, uh Janine was on this issue with Tony Daniel and Tony Daniel only had like eight pages out of this issue. So I mean like I I get that stuff could have changed. It's just it's one of those things where like I don't think I was ever on the idea of yes, I can't wait till these these books go monthly because I've enjoyed the fact that every two weeks we're getting a new chapter of the story instead of waiting an entire month. And I think I've gotten a little too accustomed to that and I think for a long time, I was like, I don't want this to happen. I'm, lo- I'm not looking forward to January when all the books go back to monthly. Um, now, that's not to say that there won't be other books that will tell the story. Obviously, Batman will still be happening. Batman Catwoman will still have Detective Comics. I'm sure there will be some other book that will take the spot of the other issue of Detective Comics. But they're not all going to be telling the same story. They're going to be telling their own stories. And still waiting a month in between stuff is... It can be frustrating especially for those of us who were spoiled for the last couple of years where we had double shipping but um the one thing i am definitely definitely not upset about missing out on when it comes to the bi-monthly schedule is the artist situation there has been so many problems with the double shipping when it comes to the artists you get these big names like david finch or tony daniel and they're attached to these titles, and they can't keep up on a normal rate of one issue per month. Or if they can, it's only for a short time, and then they have to have a fill-in here or there. But when you put them on a series that's releasing two issues per month, you're lucky if you get three, four issues out of them before you have to take a break. And it doesn't matter how far in advance they work. And in the case of Tom King, we know that he's had situations where he's rewritten scripts and changed things or plans have changed. And that obviously takes a toll on the art too, because if things have to change to reflect the overall change of things, because thing, you know, plans change or whatever, I feel like I said, change uh, 15 times there. Um, I think that, you know, it, it, I'm not, I, I, I can't wait for monthly issues for one thing. And that's to have a consistent artist on an arc. Obviously, there's there's issues that are releasing now or s- series that are releasing right now that have a set artist that is on them for significant number of issues. And while I understand that there are certain artists that can't even maintain a monthly schedule, it's very frustrating when you get somebody like Tony Daniel on. You see his amazing art. You're like, oh, man, this stuff is so good. And then he's not on a full issue. Or he's not on for more than one full issue. It's really frustrating. Because it's like, I thought I was getting more of Tony Daniel. Not Tony Daniel and then 8 pages of Mitch Gerard. Or I thought I was getting more Tony Daniel. Not 8 pages of Tony Daniel and and you know the other 16 pages of Mikkel Janet. And there's nothing to... I'm not trying to speak badly of the other artists. It's just, it's not what you're expecting. And... That's the that's the part that is really frustrating about this this double shipping schedule that they've had is the is situations with the art. And it's not to say that the artists aren't trying their hardest to do what they're doing. It's just as a reader, I don't like the jarring difference between art that we consistently have been seeing. So
2: I 100% there's that degree, plus. And I think that if DC was really serious
1: about trying to
2: increase sales... They would have a Year of the Artist initiative rather than a Year of the Villain and say, in January 2020, we will put an artist on a book and they will not come off that book until December 2020. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually really not kidding. I think that would do more to increase and hold their sales than anything else they could do. But uh, they're not going to do it because they, they unfortunately are not they don't have the editorial set up to fix that. Um, I, I actually think, even though uh, Tom King and Clay Mann are working on Bat-Cat right now, and that's launching in five months, I think we're going to see um, fill in on that series hitting around
1: issue oh, five or six, unfortunately oh man, and, and I'm not going to say it's not possible because that happened with Heroes in Crisis, there was two fill-ins for the nine issues and even though it was originally seven issues they extended it, and still only did seven issues, but they still had two issues they plugged in to fill in so that there was space And
2: it, well, and even with the issues <sighs> that uh, weren't the, the added issues, um, you had Jorge Fornes and um, uh, who's travis moore they did they did fill in um pages on those yeah. issues too so that's that's why i mean yeah it is heroes in crisis that makes me think that we're going to have fill-in issues on uh Bat-cat. and i hate to say that because i love the way clayman draws batman and catwoman i think he's one of the best artists of that particular
1: pairing yeah so all right so batman i'm going to give a total of Hmm, I'm gonna give it four, four out of five.
0: I think I was thinking four as well. It's a lower four, but a four.
2: Uh, I'm giving it definitely a, a four out of five. I, I gotta say that um, Alfred's death, even if it is fake, it did hit me hard. So i was I was pretty uh, shaken up after reading it. But it was a well done issue, and I, I think it's really really good. So definitely four out of five, uh, which I think right, it's enough. four out of five. Yeah.
1: And then uh, over on the site, Paul gave it four, that's so It's going to give four out of five across the board. Moving on to our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 1010, written by Peter Tomasi, art by Christian Duchesne. We return to the nondescript island in the Pacific where two aged and unkempt men muse about the crashing plane that they witnessed. Far from the wreckage, they stumble across an injured and unconscious Bruce Wayne. Working together, they lift him up and move him to safer grounds. Back at the wreckage, we see we find Deadshot and his captives. In a display of skill, Deadshot shoots a stray rattlesnake before it can strike one of the captives. One of his hostages lashes out at Deadshot where he reveals he was paid to kidnap him. He can't be blamed for mother nature lashing out against them. This woman proclaims her dismay, stating that she isn't afraid of Deadshot. With a shot just inches away from her face, Deadshot demonstrates why they should fear him and why he is in charge. While it looks like our captives will comply, nature seems to have different plans. A black panther strikes strikes as a full moon illuminates the chaos. With ferocity, the panther mauls Deadshot, drawing blood. After a struggle, Deadshot breaks free and shoots the beast. Wounded, the panther retreats. Next, we cut to a now conscious Bruce sitting with the two gentlemen that saved him, Hiroshi and Clarence. Thanks to a medicinal combination of jungle berries and bark, Bruce is upright by the fire. He learns that these two men had fought each other in World War II and have been marooned here ever since, completely isolated from society. They talk about the outcome of the war and about the results of the World Series over the years. Bruce repays their kindness with his knowledge, listening listening to their story about the dogfight that led to the arrival on the island. As they speak, Tanaka, the Black Panther from the prior scene arrives, wounded from the battle before. Hiroshi tends to Tanaka as he does for many animals on the island. The two men are concerned about how this could have happened, but Bruce knows exactly... Who caused this? He states that he needs to borrow some equipment, standing triumphantly. We cut back to Deadshot and his prisoners who refuse to talk to him. Deciding to catch some dinner, Deadshot shoots what he believes to be a monkey. As he walks out to find his prey, he finds a different beast entirely. Standing on a tilted branch is Bruce, donning a dark costume that resembles a black overcoat with goggles and a familiar-looking cowl. A fight ensues and Bruce gets struck by a falling tree. A tree Deadshot specifically shot to incapacitate Bruce. As he tries to rise, Bruce sees the captives calling out for liberation. A sense of justice takes over Bruce as he darts towards them. We we end with Deadshot locking his aim upon Bruce and stating that the prisoners were only the bait. Lastly... We see a two-page sequence of Mister Freeze with his wife, partially thawed. He kisses her forehead, and holds her hand as he reluctantly allows the glass to in- encase her once more. His faith will not be deterred. Okay, um, where, where, where do I begin? So, it's not it's not a secret on this podcast that I enjoy uh, monkey films, and. There is a specific movie that released last year called Kong Skull Island. And part of the plot of that movie was that there was two soldiers in World War II. One was was from America and one was from Japan. And they fought each other. Their planes crash landed on a beach. They fought each other. King Kong rose. They ended up working with each other and decided not to fight. Uh, one of them ends up dying. Eventually, in the far in the future, a group of people come to the island in search of King Kong and come across this uh, American soldier, uh, who you know this American vet, and he's aged, obviously, and in the process of that all happening, he asks about baseball, of all things, explains the story about how he and this other man lived in peace despite the fact that they were mortal enemies because of the war, and... That was a small plot point within the movie Kong Skull Island. Now, I can't be the only person who watched Skull Island because that movie made almost $500 million. So there has to be at least some other people who have seen this movie. Maybe one of those people was Peter Tomasi. I don't know. Um, I can only imagine. Um, Now, here's the thing. I know that uh, Peter Tomasi has done other things related to American history, and this is him pulling that part of what he enjoys into the story. But it's way, way, way too similar to that little plot point that was in Kongskull Island. Which maybe he didn't see. I don't know. But I, I'm going to assume he probably did. And I feel like maybe this was a little too closely resembled to that. And what makes it even weirder is the fact that... Keep in mind, Kongskull Island took place in the 70s. The, late, or the early 70s. Uh, this is taking place in present time. Which means any person who is on that island... Uh, who's from World War II, has to be clear up into their upper 90s at this point, which is slightly ridiculous. Um, to, to potentially believe that two men have survived uh, seventy almost 70 years on an island by themselves. Ridiculous. I'm sorry. It's just ridiculous. Um, I had a huge problem with this issue, if you couldn't tell from my intro here. Um, this was not very good. Um, while I'm I'm really questioning what exactly the point of all of this was, because let's be honest here. Okay, so you've got this plot point. We'll throw that aside. I'm not going to talk about that anymore. I've talked about it. I said my piece. I don't like that he stole from Kong Skull Island. We'll leave that alone. Um, the part that I really don't understand is... Deadshot makes a point to say that he's there for one specific CEO and he's there to kidnap, not kill. He's there to kidnap this one CEO. He cannot be... It's not his fault that Mother Nature struck the airplane with lightning. Um, I think on the last episode, I brought up how likely is this. And it turns out uh, there was some research done by some people on the Discord. And it turns out... You can get a plane get struck by lightning all the time and they don't get torn apart and they don't crash down to the middle of the Pacific ocean and conveniently land on islands. That doesn't happen. So this entire like ridiculous idea of a plane getting struck by lightning being torn apart and it crashing into an island is just so ridiculous. And I say this, and I say this fully knowing that I have supported Peter Tomasi in the past and have said on and on about how I enjoy his stuff, but this story, I don't know what the point of it is. Um, he's, anyway, Deadshot says he's going for the specific CEO, then he later comments when Bruce appears in this makeshift Bat costume that he somehow needed to, to, to create, despite the fact that if the whole point was to kidnap a CEO to draw Batman out, how would Batman be drawn out on this island, of all places? It wouldn't happen so why would he be drawing why would the the hostages be bait for someone who looks like batman and if it's not batman we know that deadshot doesn't know who bruce wayne is bruce putting on this outfit and fighting him what eventually he gets caught it's not like he's got all of the deterrence that he has on his normal bat suit he gets found out now deadshot knows that bruce wayne dresses up like somebody who looks like batman and decides to try to take on deadshot come on what is going on? Please, somebody else, tell me if you have the same thoughts or, I guess, the complete opposite thoughts.
0: Well, okay. So, I've mentioned on the podcast before, I went to school for mechanical engineering. I, I know how things work, right? And when I was done being thinking for the day, I would sit and I would watch Speed. And my future husband would say, why are you watching this movie? This is literally the stupidest movie that's ever been. Nothing in this movie makes sense. It's all... Wrong. And I'd be like, it doesn't matter. I love this movie. This is what I enjoy. No. That being said, <laughs> no. I enjoyed this issue. I didn't know about the Kong Island. That would have bothered me a whole lot more if I had known that. But I really liked those two guys and their story. So I did not know that was stolen. But I still liked it. And, yeah, sure. I Maybe he knows it's Bruce Wayne. He doesn't think it's Batman. I don't know. Because he says the the hostages are are. Or Bay? Of course it doesn't make sense that Batman is there. I don't think he's... I don't know. I didn't catch that he was there to get Batman.
1: Um, well, it might not be Batman. It could just be... It's just... Uh, it's not that it's Batman, because it's very unlikely that it is Batman. Despite, of course, that the cover, of course, is reflecting that Batman is on the island with... Well, not on an island, but Deadshot has Batman in his crosshairs, which... Whatever. But the, the thing is, it's not so much about the fact that he's after Batman. It's that who is he holding the hostages to bait (laughs) as bait for i don't understand who like on this island he's holding them hostage with the intent that someone is going to come for them but who is coming for them that he is going after like if it was somebody who's coming to like save the hostages that makes sense but it's not going to be a specific person who he's going to want to kill or try to get it that does that part doesn't make any sense it's not like the only way for him to get a Coast Guard uh, soldier or, uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't know their, their specific uh, guardsmen, maybe is what they're called. The, the Coast Guard who might come save them from the island or, you know, a, a, a SEAL Team 6. Deadshot's not going after one of them. There's a reason he's going after somebody specific. So the question is, who is he going after that these people are the bait for? It's not this random person who shows up wearing a bunch of old gear that's coming after Deadshot. So why does he make that comment? It doesn't. There's so many problems.
0: It doesn't. But I'm willing to put on my speed glasses and just enjoy this for the 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 dumpster fire that it is i enjoy a good dumpster fire like i don't know i i just had a good time with it i i just you know you lower your expectations you lower your standards it's, so sad. And it's, a
2: it's so sad. i don't want to do that but you're paying four dollars a pop for these lowered expectations. that's true that yeah so, all right it's not a, like a movie if you're like renting it off amazon it's like four dollars for two hours this is like four dollars for like 10 minutes of entertainment i just i expect a little more i i don't have nearly as much intense uh plot analysis as dustin i just i looked at this issue and i didn't have fun um just because the last issue had bruce wayne pretending to be a playboy and had lucius fox and it was Bruce, you know, secretly trying to—it it felt like it was
1: going somewhere.
2: This well, one it was, was just is, yeah,
0: I did not expect it to go this direction. This, I'll, I'll, this I'll issue that. was
2: mostly just people sitting around fires, being kind of like, meh, <laughs> cat attacks. I was just like, what is that? So, oh, I
0: did have it. Yeah, that's true. The Black Panther got extra points for me because <laughs> <as a kiddie. laughs> it's a kitty. who attacked Deadshot.
2: It's uh, the it's the DC Marvel crossover we've all been waiting for.
1: yeah i mean it just comes down to like i don't want to beat a dead horse because let's be honest this horse is way dead for me but uh it's just i don't like i don't know like i didn't to be fair i didn't give it the last issue like an amazing rating i gave it a three which is pretty average um but i felt like it was going somewhere this doesn't go anywhere and the fact that we have yet another issue before we get to the next storyline is insane to me like this could have easily been a two-issue story arc, not a three-issue, or I don't. Need, I think it's only three issues, but I don't know why it needed to be as long as it is. It's just too long. And the worst part about this is the one interesting thing about this issue, and I'll say, while that idea of the two soldiers on the island, I don't have a problem with it, and if I'd never watched Kung Skull Island, I actually would have enjoyed it because I like you know, I like the I like watching stuff about World War II and the history of that stuff. So I would have enjoyed that. It's just it's I of course immediately made the connection to a movie that I've seen multiple times, and I talk about all the time. So it's not one of those things I can ignore. But one of the best things about the issue is these constant hints that Mister Freeze is the stuff with Mister Freeze is coming. Of course, I was like, oh, I can't wait till I can't wait till she gets unthawed. And then, of course, I wrote up the, uh, the the solicitation breakdown for November and saw the covers, which is basically she, I don't know, of course, I don't know if this is what happens because I don't read through all every single solicitation to find out exactly. But based off the covers that are coming in November, it looks like Nora gets out of the ice, turns on Freeze, and becomes a villain herself. And I'm not looking forward to that at all.
0: Well, the I covers have lied this entire that's time. That's true. Though.
1: That's true. I'll give the I'll give you that. But the one catch of the the covers is that the acetate cover which is you know, is a higher end cover which has all kinds of weird things that could easily be lied. The same like weird I have got the side shave uh I'm I'm the new, you know, the 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 new punk villain um girl that you've never seen before. That shows on that acetate cover and then the next cover She's like that again. So it's like... I can't... uh, I don't know. Like, I I really want to get to the Mr. Freeze stuff... Because I really despise the fact... Now, we've gotten two issues... Where we've got this frozen... Thawed... Well, this one's thawing... uh, logo and what are, what are we getting out of it we're not getting anything related to Mr. Freeze other than a couple pages at the end of the issue so I want to get there especially with this dumpster fire which is clearly the reason why the logo is the thawing is because this issue is a complete garbage fire <laughs> um, but the you know I want to get to the Mr. Freeze stuff but now I'm super concerned about that because what is the necessity for Nora to like just go straight evil I don't I mean like I'm waiting for all the offers dark gifts all that stuff that Lex Luthor handed out to like be twisted and become like some sort of like, oh, you thought you were getting this? No, you actually got this. And then all the villains are super pissed. And that's how this all, this whole story wraps up is all the villains that got something horrible from Lex Luthor that, uh, you know, is a super huge threat. They're all just slightly twisted versions. And those villains end up having to team up with the heroes because they're pissed about what Lex Luthor did because I, I just see it going that way so yeah I hopefully, so we we started with a small garbage fire, we moved to a dumpster fire, next time we'll have the garbage dump fire, so (laughs) I'm going to give this one and a half out of five
0: I'll give it a two
2: a two wow, you guys I'm giving it a 2.5, which I thought was average but wow! I never thought I'd be the highest rating on this one.
1: <laughs> like I said, make your bets on those racehorses. He and just out, out, uh, out, sc- outrated, uh my me on Peter Tomasi. So hell is starting to freeze over.
2: <laughs> Oops, All right, it's so over the the on the side, we'll finally win the Super Bowl. <laughs>
1: Jamie uh, gave the issue a total of two and a half. So it's going to give detective comics two out of five betterings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. That's over to the site for greater Gotham. Starting off with August 21st, we have main TBU books where he talked about Batman number 77, Nightwing number 63. Rick gets some unwanted advances by a villain. This was reviewed by H. Ham. He gave it four and a half out of five. Year of the Villain, Black Mask number one. Luther gives Black Mask a new face and a new purpose. This reviewed by Tony, he gave it four out of five. Secondary TBU books, Batman number 232, Fast meal Edition, Dick Grayson is kidnapped and Batman must join forces of the mysterious Roswell gold to save him. Can Bruce, can Bruce trust this stranger? This is by H. Ham. He gave it four out of five main DC Universe books, Teen Titans number 33, Lex Luthor plans for Lobo are far from over as the main man soon finds out. Meanwhile, Damien and Amiko discuss their possibility of a traitor amongst the ranks and a dark new secret is revealed. So by Donovan, he gave it three and a half out of five secondary DC Universe books. We have Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, where while briefly shown, Jimmy Olsen is currently set up in Gotham City. Moving over to August 28th, we have main TBU books, Batman, Batgirl, number 38. Batgirl recovers from her last battle with Killer Moth and prepares for the next thing as the Oracle entity looms in the background. This is by Paul. He gave it three and a half out of five. Batman, Superman, number one. Batman and Superman team up to rescue a kidnapped boy. This is by Tony. He gave it three and a half out of five. We already talked about Detective Comics Red Hood Outlaw number 37. Jason opens his school for the gifted and opens a new chapter in his life. This is by H Ham. He gave it 4 out of 5. Secondary TBU books. Batman Beyond number 35. The splits motivations are revealed. False Face makes a deal and Batman's secrets become compromised. This is by Donald. He gave it 3 out of 5. Batman Curse of the White Knight number 2. As role unleashes the fire and fury of his mission on Batman, Ian reviewed this and gave it three and a half out of five main DC Universe books, Justice League number 30, In their efforts to thwart doom, the Justice League expands its reach to both the past and the future. What could go wrong? Andy gave this three and a half out of five secondary DC Universe books. Justice League Dark, number 14. Man Bat continues to be a part of the main team. The Terrifics, number 19. bat makes a brief cameo in the issue. Finally, trades and hardcovers from the past two weeks include Batman Kings of Feared hardcover, Grayson the Super Spy on the Best New Edition hardcover, Tales of Batman Jerry Conway, volume three hardcover, The Batman Who Laughs, hardcover as well um and despite what dc has on their website there is actually a the brave and the bold bronze age omnibus volume three um that was on dc's site as it came out but it's it was canceled and i don't and dc unfortunately hasn't been updating their website to reflect these changes so there's that for you um if we gay or if you heard me give a rating that someone on the site reviewed the comics be sure to head over um on the website Uh, we have reviews for all those books every wednesday you'll get all the batman specific books on thursdays you'll get all of the greater gotham stuff so all the allies and villains within the batman universe and then on Friday, you have all the DC Universe books as well. So be sure to check all those out over on the site. In addition to that, there is actually two other editorials that have posted in the past two weeks. There's another Batman Through the Years, which focuses on 1944. And then there was also a TBU Collected, which focuses on Batman Death of the Family Saga, which actually was supposed to release back in April. Unfortunately, it was canceled, didn't tell anybody, and then was rescheduled for August. And then it also was canceled. And nobody said anything. So, ah, uh, see, see, see uh, a reoccurring pattern here? Yeah. So do I. So, uh, last couple weeks, what did you guys like? What did you What did you guys enjoy the most? Steph, go ahead.
0: Um, you know, there was actually quite a lot of good stuff. Like Batgirl's Batgirl is interesting. The Terrible Trio is still terrible. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'd say Teen Titans, I think, was my favorite because that really kind of opened a, a door for, like, philosophical discussions of right and wrong. And, like, what is okay to do and what's not okay? And what is free will? And what is society without free will? And what is crime? Without, and it, it, it was i thought it was very interesting and it it shows a like like batman it seemed to show a a weaker point of damien and the things that he struggles in which is human beings and human interactions and how to keep friends and that kind of stuff so i thought i thought it was that was very very interesting and well written
2: i um wanted to highlight uh just not the whole issue because i'm not i'm still not a fan of the run but um jorge jimenez drawing justice league and he drew uh the justice society of america in justice league number 30 and i'm a big fan of green lantern alan scott and wildcat ted grant and we got to see both of them and they looked so cool and i'm very excited for what they're going to do in the next uh you know this big finale to the do more storyline not, I don't really care about the rest of it, but I, I really like those two characters and the Justice Society in general, and I think that's a really cool thing that Scott Snyder and Jimenez and Tynan are doing for this storyline. Oh, and of course, White Knight Curse of the White Knight's uh, really good. Definitely check that out.
1: Yes, yeah, so for the last couple weeks, I have to agree with Steph, there was a lot of really good stuff. Uh, some was just slightly above average, and then there was some stuff that I really, really enjoyed. Um... One of the ones that I really enjoyed was Red Hood Outlaw because it seems like they're going to take Jason in a new direction. But I see this, but I see this fully knowing (laughs) that Scott Lobdell has been on this book the entire time. And he has done this like three or four times since Rebirth started where he suddenly makes Jason like there's a fork in the road. He veers off the road and goes in a completely opposite direction. And you're like, wait, what about the fork? And it doesn't matter because what's off the road is way more interesting than what was previously <laughs> on the road. So like that's happened multiple times. Like we had him, he left Gotham. He was going out and you had him dealing with the the stuff in the you know middle America where he went to that town and there was, you know, all kinds of stuff. Before that, there was a situation where like he was finding out about his dad and like, while that turned and we went and we went in a different direction. Then we went to the Middle America and then he turned and he went back to Gotham and he became he took over the iceberg lounge. And just when you thought, okay, this 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 you thought that was gonna be interesting. Wait, wait, he's gotten out of school of for gifted and he's not his name's not Charles Xavier. So I mean it I don't it's know. It's like how
0: listening he to keeps... a very, very interesting storyteller who also has ADHD.
1: Yes, like it, <laughs> it honestly feels like he comes up with like these new concepts halfway through the story is like i gotta say i gotta i gotta tell the story and like the previous (laughs) story just gets wrapped up so quickly you're just like what happened so like the issue where it wraps up you're like wow, they got this stuff got wrapped up really quickly why did this Mm -hmm. happen but then you get the next issue you're like Oh okay. I don't care about what happened. I will care about <laughs> what's going to happen. It's so weird. It really is. Like I'm not. I'm saying this in a good thing. I enjoyed this. <laughs> I I think it's it, it's really interesting because the the it, it reminded me a lot of Red Hood and the Outlaws from like the New Fifty Two. And I know part of that has to do with the fact that uh, Kenneth Rocafort was on art and he did a lot of the art in the New Fifty Two for Red Hood. Um, but it like. The scratchiness, the introduction of all these new villain or not villains, but these new characters, like it was just like interesting. Like I don't know where it's going. I really don't care where it's going. It's just it's <laughs> interesting. I I want to see what happens. And this book, I feel like it's, this book has reinvented itself so many times. Like it should get an award just because it's reinvented itself so many times.
0: Without changing, like. Anything, the like, creative characters, yeah. the creative writers—it's
1: <laughs> so weird. But yeah, uh, I definitely check out Red Hood, especially if I mean, like to be fair, the last storyline was a good storyline. Just ended on, in my opinion, a very quick, unsubstantiated note, and now. It's- <laughs> It's really interesting. Again, I, I don't know how this keeps happening, but yes, uh, check out Remus. And
0: Artemis and Bizarro are coming back.
1: Eventually. They're, which eventually. Oh, I I want to say this. I, I, I mentioned this earlier on the Discord, but I have to bring this up. I don't read the Terrifics, but the Terrifics, there was an issue of the Terrifics that came out that had Bat-Zaro in it, so I kind of like just paged through it. And Bizarro is present in the Terrifics. And what's really odd about it is that bizarro is pre- presented with an offer from lex Luthor in the book and like you see a lot of bizarro the bizarro world you know the universe where bizarro's from and a lot of the other characters that are zaro character bizarro characters like bat zaro and a lot of other ones like there's a big focus on mr terrible which is the equivalent the bizarro equivalent of mr terrific and I thought it was so weird. I was like, wait, I thought Bizarro is stuck in this other, like, pocket dimension right now over in Red Hood. Clearly, somebody didn't get the memo, but we'll see. But, yeah, had to mention that. But, yes. So, anyway, that's Greater Gotham. All right, moving on. Uh, Before we move on to our listener Q&As, I I quickly want to thank our Patreon supporters. Um, Thank you to Robert, Donald, Brendan, Ian, Austin, uh stanton's grave arturo irwin captain america jay dutton and real no deuces uh we greatly appreciate all of your support at the ten dollar and twenty dollar levels as well as all of those of you or all of you who are supporting at the three dollar tier and the no reward tiers as well we greatly appreciate all of your support um i i do want to apologize of course I, i i say this What seems to be every other month, we have uh, a number of things that we have talked about doing and we just haven't been able to get done, but I always keep track of what we have to provide to you guys as far as our content, our extra content, and I try to make sure that we have that stuff to go through so we have some stuff that we're going to be doing in the coming month. Um, it's been a busy month for me, so trying to get some of that stuff out has just been a little difficult, but we will be getting into, as usual, um, and as I've said multiple times in the past, if you haven't joined our Discord, please make sure you do so, because as a Patreon supporter, you get extra entries into our weekly, or I should say, our twice per month, um, giveaways that we have over on Discord. Like I said earlier, currently, the current one is for a copy of Harley Quinn Breaking Glass, which was sponsored by DC. Uh, we have two issues of that that we're actually giving away. So if you're interested in getting one of those, join the Discord. If you're a Patreon supporter, you get an extra entry. If you're not a Patreon supporter, you're just a listener, go ahead and join. And if you, even if you don't want to talk with the, the staff and other Bat fans in general, you can just you know give yourself an entry into the podcast just by being a member of our Discord. So um, with that being said, Um, We're going to move into our listener (laughs) Q&A's.
3: Boy, did you get a
2: wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No,
1: please, don't. Ah! Uh, We have one uh, from Matman via Discord, and he says...
0: If Batman slash Bruce were to actually ever be killed off for good, who do you think should have the honor of doing it? Or do you think he should die of old age or something not relating to crime fighting? Also, did you hear that Alterna Comics is starting its own distribution company to go against Diamond? What do you guys think about that? Would DC or Marvel go for it?
1: So to answer your first question, um, I am going to steal an idea that Ian said on the Discord, which sounds really—it's not really stealing, but it's—it's it's a very legitimate uh, answer, which is I the the annual number two that Tom King wrote. Mm-hmm. That is really, honestly, a really good way for it to kind of work its way out. Uh, Batman has a family; he's married; he dies of old age. I'm content with that being it. I don't really think that somebody should. I don't think there should ever be a villain who takes Batman out because then you're setting that villain above everybody else. And I don't think that's necessary. I think that while there are obviously villains that people will attribute more so as more popular or a bigger threat than others, I think it's all conjecture when it comes down to it. So I think that ultimately the best story for Batman and Bruce Wayne is that he is you know he has he has a substantial life. He actually maybe turns around Gotham, and we don't have all these villains. And he dies a happy life as an old man. That's the way I'd like to see it go out.
0: It would be interesting. I don't not saying this is how what I would like, but it would be interesting. You remember in 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 the Into the Spider Verse, you know, Peter Parker just kind of <laughs> cacked it in the first five minutes of the movie, um, and then you know Morales takes over. It it would be interesting to see a Batman dies like just horribly boring early on and, and what happens because of that. Like, does anyone fill in the shoes? Does does they just do they just let Batman be gone? I know that's I know that storyline's been done before, but I, I think that would be a little more interesting than just him dying of old age I feel like that's what he deserves obviously it was a, that issue is just wonderful that's that's how it should happen but I think it would be a little more interesting if it was something else but I don't know who would kill him your your pick I guess from whatever happened to the
2: well, I'm, I'm interested that, uh, no one has been saying what I expected, which is, oh, the Joker should kill him, or Raz al Ghul should kill him. No, no. that's um, dumb. I, I think that, um, if I'm not gonna go with the annual number two, um, I would prefer Batman to go out saving people rather than fighting a villain. So, I wasn't a huge fan of starting Tom King's Batman run with um Bruce riding the plane, but honestly, that's not the worst way to go. I mean, he's saving, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people by himself, single handedly. That would be a pretty cool way to go. I, I, I just don't really like the idea of Batman losing to a villain because the whole point of Batman is he fights, you know, he, he fights to save people and fighting, just fighting a villain. <sighs> It it doesn't do what I think a good Batman story should do. All
1: right, so the second question, I can honestly say I never had heard of Alterna Comics before you mentioned it in your question. And then I went looking for it, and I found out that the company does, in fact, print their and publish and distribute their own comics. And interestingly enough, they're, they, one of their main pushing points for their company is that they they're trying to make comics more affordable um their comics are about dollar 50 some of them are a dollar 99 but i couldn't find anything that was more than a dollar 99 at least as part of the all age and the the uh normal uh young adult type issues um that being said would dc or marvel ever go for this um I think the problem is that they're too cemented in this idea that they have to do it this way because that's the way it goes. There's benefits they get from having an outside distributor outside of them doing it themselves, which is obviously they have a lot less risk when it comes to it. When Diamond has – when they ship the comics to comic shops, comic shops, if there's issues, they have to deal with Diamond. They don't deal with DC. DC while they might go to DC and complain, or they go might go to Marvel and complain about how the books aren't selling well, because the books aren't popular, that's a whole different story. But there's this whole middleman that, you know, keeps the companies who are producing the content away from the people who are selling the content. And while they still interact with each other, there, I almost feel like there has to be a company in between. I don't, like what diamond does i don't like that they have a monopoly on this distribution method but i don't know the the problem is there's no other company who's going to come on board this point in time and say we're going to make comics we're going to we're going to distribute comics and we're going to try to compete with diamond diamond is a massive massive company and nobody can unless somebody has just a boatload of money and really wants to give diamond a run for their money I don't see how it would ever work because the problem is we all have to admit the comics industry is either going to go full digital at some point or it's going to, it's going to crash and that's, what's going to happen. I mean, that's, that's literally the only future there's that's possible is that it goes all digital or that there's no more comics market, you know, publishers, you know, shut down shop because they just can't maintain because either they don't switch over to digital or whatever. But the thing is like, it just comes down to, the wave of the future is to get further and further away from paper. And it's not because it's paper. It's because you look at newspapers. There's newspapers shutting down all over the place. There's magazines. Entertainment Weekly, which has been running weekly for decades, just announced that they're turning into monthly. But they're staying Entertainment Weekly because that's the name of the, that they have registered um, as a trademark. So you're going to get a monthly book that says weekly because they can no longer produce it. Mad Magazine just was announced that they're going to only be reprinting uh, or they're only going to be distributing reprints going forward. They're not going to be creating new content. The problem is magazines as a whole are not selling well. So I cannot see a company going out there and trying to compete with Diamond And ultimately, Diamond is going to be a part of the problem as to why the comics market ultimately crashes. And it's also part of the reason why digital is not a bigger focus. I mean, they made this massive push for digital in 2011 with the New 52, had all kinds of exclusive stuff that was digital first. Now, um, while there's a couple of them, because I believe the Ruby and the Genlock series are going to be digital first, and there's still Teen Titans Go, and there's a DC Superhero Girls one that's it there's nothing like there used to be a batman one there used to be a wonder woman one there used to be dc comics bombshells there was a, there's been a bunch of titles that were digital first but there's like nothing anymore that they really focus on other than the stuff that's not uh mainstream you know dc universe superhero stuff or it's all ages there's there's only a, like a couple exceptions so the thing is like digital is not as big of a focus as it is. And I know a lot of that has to do with the fact that the retailers and diamond push back against that whole thing. And while it's still there and still able to happen and you can still go buy comics digitally, it's just, it's never picked up the way it should have. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that like there was too much pushback from the retailers. So could DC or Marvel ever go for another company sure it's possible especially if they could bring the price down um you know the the amount of money it costs to distribute the comics would go down and they could save money that way but i don't see it happening because i don't think there'd be any other company who could do it this um this alterna comics by all means they can do it but their their entire basis of being around is whether or not people actually buy their stuff they're taking a lot of the risk themselves by distributing the stuff themselves which could ultimately harm their company in the in the larger scheme of things because unless they get some really big name people which there's already a problem with getting big name people if your books are very very low cost so there's a lot of issues that go into it but i i don't see any change coming but i i mean I, i'll i'll call it now i mean like things will either go completely digital or the comic marks it will bust i'll say 10 years
0: what by, about the print to order stuff
1: The print order stuff is unique, and I think that that is entirely possible to do. But I just like I know that Amazon's doing it, and I think it's entirely possible for that to like pick up and you know gain steam. But the problem is that like by any major company like Marvel or DC to start doing something like that, it will eat away at the retailers, and the retailers and and Diamond will push back against that. And the problem is unless. It really, really takes off really quickly. They don't have the ability... Like, There's not enough wiggle room for something like that to succeed with... But at the same time, alienating their core sales. And that's the biggest thing. Like Anything they try to introduce is going to alienate those core sales, which is the comic shops. And that by itself could present a problem. So either someone at Warner Brothers is like, Hey, you know what? We don't care about the comic shops anymore. We're going to print on demand all digital that's what we're doing and we can make our comics a dollar cheaper every single month unless someone says we're just going to take the risk and do it themselves which ultimately i mean it could pay off and it could work because then you could still get stuff printed on demand you could still choose the variant covers that you want and things like that but it's it's more about will people actually do it i mean amazon is clearly trying to push this with their own imprint and see if it works. And if it works, it'll be like proof positive to these other companies to say like, Hey, look, this could work. You could do this. And that's possible too. But I just, I don't know. I mean, I like, don't get me wrong. I love having a paper copy of stuff in my hands. I love being able to hold it in my hands rather than reading stuff in digital, but I just don't see the future. And I, it's unfortunate because that's the way it is. I I like I, I keep up with technology. I know I, I keep up with a lot of the different trends that are happening within technology and things like that, and I just don't see this market sustaining. Especially with some of the ridiculousness that's stuff that happens with the inflation of sales with the variant covers and things like that. I just don't see it working out. Well, I've been it.
2: listening to a retailer who goes by the name Comic Perch on Twitter and He's been doing a, a major series of YouTube videos recently about predictions for the comic future. And something he said really rang true to me, which is that I think we're on the cusp of newsstands 2.0. Um, we've already seen this with the DC Walmart giants. Um, he thinks that Disney's going to announce Marvel Comics, uh, ex- uh, not exclusive, but like directly available to supermarkets. So like right now they have like resale for three or four uh, comics in a shrink wrap available at Walmart. I think we're going to see them in your local grocery store chain, just like they did in the um, the 90s and before with the newsstands, the Spinner Racks. Um, but I think that the idea that DC's been doing of reprints um, is a is probably something we're going to see more of, just because it's more content, it increases the value for money that, you know, moms who are shopping with kids are going to want, kids um, the kids occupied for longer. And that it mimics, uh, you know, the Japanese model of an anthology format, with they're shown in magazines. Um, so I, I think that the future of comics, in terms of new comics, is going to be some combination of... A better digital distribution platform, and trying to go mainstream again with some form of the news rack.
1: I mean that's entirely possible. I just I don't see that long term working either. I think that that just by itself will help sustain the business for uh, you know a little while, but I don't know that that'll end up saving the market as a whole because the other problem is you also have to look at it. newsstands aren't like they were the the newsstands now in today's world are not the same newsstands that they had back in the 90s or even you know obviously way before the 90s grocery stores that i went to as a young kid had whole sections of magazines and comic books and all kinds of stuff you know Every Archie book you can imagine, you can still find Archie books at the checkout lanes at grocery stores, but like when you go to like a store like Target, their selection of magazines is very, very small. They do not have a huge selection. You go and I don't know about Walmart because like I've said multiple times I don't go to Walmart that often, but I can't imagine it being that much bigger because why would they carry so much more stuff? There's only a few places that still carry large amounts of magazines in their bookstores. Barnes and Noble and other bookstores that are still around there's not very many of them but there's those are the places that carry magazines and i just while i completely agree that like you know having comics in the toy aisles alongside the action figures at target and walmart is a st- step in the right direction i just don't see it ultimately being the the push that's going to save the entire market so and, and i'm not and i'm not saying claim trying to claim that you or perch had said that that's what's going to happen but i feel like that will help and that will help maintain the market for a little bit but ultimately it's still going to have to go in a direction where either it goes digital or it goes completely bust and the real telling part will be to see what happens with some of the publishers that aren't as big but have been around for a really long time dark horse idw image these companies that have produced stuff for years and years and years to see what happens with them because they're the ones who are going to be affected by this these changes quicker than most or quicker than the big two so all right so with that being said, that was our only listener cue or listener question that we had. So I, inc- I I encourage everyone who's listening to leave a question on the next episode, because if that happen, if it doesn't happen, we'll just keep having crazy monkey watch questions. Speaking of monkey watch, we're gonna get into our monkey watch question. Which monkey watch twenty seventeen.
3: Which
1: is. Very quick a very quick question. Uh shouldn't require too much thinking. Uh my, my co-hosts, of course, did not prepare for this whatsoever because I don't allow them to. So the question of the day is which superhero could you see yourself being best pals with? Oh, dang it. And I'll go oh, first because I okay. knew the question ahead of time. Um I would pick Tim Drake because i feel like we were, because we would get along pretty well. He's into technology, i'm into technology, he's pretty smart. I'd like to think i'm pretty smart. Um, but like and specifically, you could you guys could pick whoever. I was specifically link, thinking of the Bat family and thinking who i would probably get along with the most and out of the group i would probably get along with Tim Drake probably better than anybody else because i think we're very similar personalities. So that's mine.
0: So, confession time junior high and high school I was so and college and college who am I kidding I was so bad at making friends and so one of the easiest things to find in common with people is your name and so the first people I always met were Stephanie's and we usually got along very well and so Stephanie Brown she loves purple and she seems kind of a fun person to be around and she seems very smart I think she and I would actually get along very well. And I would actually introduce myself to her because we have the same name. And because I'm lame, that's the first thing I notice about people.
1: Do you like waffles?
0: I do like waffles. Okay, well, then. And
1: grapes. You, grape got, you soda. got that for you. You got that for
3: you, so. <laughs>
2: uh did dustin pay you to uh make sure i couldn't pick steph
0: you can pick steph you i was thinking i had to do a quick filter and i was like oh gosh who would i actually get along with because i'd probably want to punch damien if we actually spent five minutes together
2: i think my problem with this is the same problem i have with um the question of who would you marry or fall in love with is i I tend to identify with characters I like more than think about whether I'd get along with them. And I don't (laughs) think I'd get along with myself very often. Um, I'm sure this shocks many people. But um, uh, who would I get along with? Maybe, well, no, Cass would know when I was frustrated with people. And so she would probably, um, uh, because you can read the body language. Having a friend um, to
0: call you out on your crap is important. Yeah,
2: true. but like they, they have to care enough to, to call you out. Like think, <laughs> that's true, who would too. be willing to, to get to know you. Actually well speak enough. up, yeah. Um I'm trying to think of characters who really like reading, because that's mostly what I like talking to my friends about. Book uh, one. I mean, Jason Todd read books in prison, and he actually read books I <laughs> care about. Uh, Pride and Prejudice was in one of the Grant Morrison comics. Or maybe it was Judd Winnick. It was one of the pre-Flashpoint um, Red Hood stories. Um, so maybe Jason, uh, but I don't really like drinking
1: and fighting. So
0: You definitely would be an odd couple, friend couple.
1: Yeah. But you uh, know what? There's, what's funny? I think of that, and I think to myself— I would probably compare you closer to Batgirl, the pre Oh, Barbara? Yeah, Barbara, pre New Fifty Two. Yeah, okay.
2: I'll go with Barbara. I'd love to. No, no, hold
1: on, hold on. I'm saying I (laughs) would compare you to her as like you are very similar, but then you think about what happened in Batman and Robin Eternal, where she got along with Jason Todd like really well for some weird reason. And I thought, well maybe it's because they're so opposite that they do get along. So back to your jason todd maybe it is possible Mm. so
2: let's go with that i'll I'll hang out with jason todd
1: (laughs) i mean to be fair just because you hang out with him doesn't mean you have to hang out with him all the time you don't have to go to the fights and the bars with him so there's that but uh the question is then presented to you the listeners who what member of the bat family or you could even pick a a member of the rogues gallery uh which person do you think you would best be friends with uh, sound off either in the comment section or over on the discord when the p- episode posts we'll talk about those next time and then obviously be sure to encourage or explain why you think you would get along with them and they would be your best pal so with that being said that is everything for this episode be sure to head over to the website for all these news related to movies tv merchandise video games and of course the comics also be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer there's tons of podcasts that are releasing all the time um any given week there's we've got like three to four episodes releasing so be sure to check out all the podcasts be sure to follow us on facebook twitter instagram and youtube for all these news and videos from the batman universe join our discord leave questions in the comment section on the website you can leave us reviews in itunes those are always greatly appreciated or any of the other podcast uh platforms that you use i'm i I always say iTunes, but I honestly think that all of the platforms you can leave reviews on. So any wherever you listen to this, if you can leave a review, leave a review. So those are always greatly appreciated uh, for this and any of the other podcasts that we have to offer at the Babbing Universe. Uh, with that being said, uh, we will see you guys in two weeks. This is Dustin.
2: This is Steph. And this is Ian.
1: We'll see you guys next time.
3: Rivolse e se mi avvolga la pelle, si ricombiade il fuso. Io difendo a sopperir, non parlo via lo triste. Se l'altre che prepari il nario di me, il me
1: that i'm thinking about it I, I'm, I'm having to actually question whether or not we brought this up on the last episode because i just we
3: realized, did yeah we already okay. talked about
0: it <laughs> oh
1: man oh, we'll just uh, <laughs> start
3: good I was eating Start
1: you. back from the beginning um yeah so patreon listeners i hope you enjoyed that